up, people? Happy Sunday. This is Saturday's uh, podcast. I'm just going to make this real quick because we didn't have much that, that much of an eventful day um, in terms of the whole acting vibe. We went to San Diego, which was very nice. Um, we woke up very early in the morning. Um, that's a complete lie. We woke up at like 10 and then set off for San Diego at 11. That's I don't know why I'm boring you with these details. Basically, though, actually, we did... Uh, change our flights so we're definitely here for a while longer we booked up more time in our apartment here um, because we're very happy here that's cool so we we it was quite productive in the morning actually um, then we took a long old drive down to San Diego it took about three hours because the traffic was crazy um, but we got to San Diego it was really nice and warm and sunny and uh, we explored the area a bit had some lunch on a roof it was cool man and we went down to the pier and just walked along the ocean, had a real chilled out day, so it was nice. Um, got some old school American candy, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's about it. So Kai is currently in her um, Groundlings um, workshop. Uh, so that'll be something exciting to talk about later on. Um, and I'm about to go and pick her up. But I just wanted to drop in and say, yeah, yesterday was, Saturday was a... Uh, you know, a fairly chilled, slow day, but we did extend our time here for definite. So that's cool. So now we're here until March. So uh, plenty more updates to come daily, obviously. Um, yeah, the reason I'm making this one so brief is A, because yesterday was so chilled out, and B, because today is the release of the uh, my the, the podcast that I've been wanting to get out for a while now um, with, well... The introduction will speak for itself, but I hope you're all good, guys. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoy this this uh, the next bit of this podcast because it's awesome. Speak to you soon. Big love. Peace out. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to another episode of Acting Inspired with me, Lewis Goody. I'm sorry it's been a little while. What a great episode to 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 kick it all back off with. I I won't give much of an introduction because you've probably already know who this guy is uh, if you're into podcasts uh, he is the host of a, a brilliant podcast called in anything at the minute um or the honest actors podcast and his name is jonathan harden take a trip on the canal if you want to have fun Hello. Thank you for coming to the boat. Thank you for having me. This is uh, very cool for me because I love your podcast and uh, yeah, I'm happy to have you here. Thank you, sir. Um, I'll start by asking you the same question I ask everyone. Um, okay. Which is, what did you want to be when you grow up? Uh, when I grow up, uh, <laughs> future tense. Yeah. Uh, it's bizarre. So I think... Um, uh, uh, the first thing I remember wanting to be was a uh, birthday card designer. Really? Because uh, it married, at that point in my life, my two greatest skills, which were drawing and writing. And so I thought I could write the poems on the inside and then to pick... Because I didn't know it was like a thing that was broken up and that people did different jobs. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. you know, this is a job that you can design birthday yeah, cards. Yeah. And then uh, the next thing I remember wanting to be in secondary school was a fireman. Me too. So, But I kind of did it as a protest thing because I went to a fairly academic uh, school and I think there was a kind of sense that people just didn't believe that it was a serious thing. Like, why would someone want to be a fireman? Because it was the kind of school where my, my parents weren't like this. My dad's a salesman and mum's a housewife. But uh, oh, what a horrible phrase, housewife. <laughs> Can't believe I said that in 2015. <laughs> mum was, uh, uh, was a home... Yeah, housewife's yeah, fine. Man. Yeah, mother. Uh she yeah she she gave up on her uh, on her career to raise her children particularly well I think, yeah. Uh, but yeah so so the school was kind of populated by people whose parents were literally uh, politicians surgeons you know uh, uh, not everybody's but you know you had surgeons you had judges kids and then you had you know people like me and so I, I as a protest I think I said I wanted to be a fireman yeah. and then I went through a stage of wanting to be a bilingual lawyer in North America who wrote a Harley Davidson 
Uh, so specific. Uh, and then they did a week's work experience in a solicitor's office in Belfast and thought, no, nah, fuck, fuck that. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then I, I don't know what I wanted to be, to be honest. I'm at the university with that kind of classic 18-year-old, um, you know, not knowing what I wanted to do. I'd written a load of letters to... Um, media companies when I was like 17, 18. Yeah. Pretty much every production company in Northern Ireland be it for radio or television or, or music yeah. looking for work experience. And one radio station got back to me and invited me in for an interview and I got it and they sent me out as their roving reporter um, cool. out on the street. Um, and I did one gig for them. Like one went into Belfast City Centre and interviewed people about their plans to remove market traders from the streets. The kind of people that sell lighters and sports socks and all that. Like not... Not like, you know, for organic veg, but people who just street sellers. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was really great. And then I don't I don't even know if it went if it went on, on the radio in the end, but I I was at that age where I really wanted everything, but I was too lazy at the same time. So the radio station was like half an hour from my house. Yeah. And they weren't paying me. Right. And yeah. so the novelty of, of and all the effort that went into, you know, typing my first ever letter and sending it out in envelopes to like fifty companies, all that effort whenever it transpired that they weren't going to pay me and they wanted me to you know my mum to drop me off for me to get two buses I was like nah fuck yeah. this I'm, I don't want it that much which was a decision that for the next two years at university I kicked myself for because I thought I could be hosting my own radio show now <laughs> so yeah so I mean I don't know I did youth theatre when I was like 17 and with no view to I, well I, I auditioned for youth theatre because I did a school play and thought actually this is really good crack and yeah. and I'd always been more sporty than than kind of uh, that's not fair I'd, I've always been interested in performance but it was never a real thing like my yeah. dad's a musician oh, cool. and had a bit of a rough time in the 80s in Northern Ireland because the cultural kind of side of things fell flat in its face and so it was good fun and I used to dress up as a kid and all but it, I mean it, I didn't want to be an actor Yeah. and uh, at youth theatre that I got into in the first day after four hours again I thought this isn't what I thought it was going to be it was musical and there was dance and fall and yeah, yeah. it was my first experience of kind of you know of that kind of world and I went to a park halfway through it and thought half at lunchtime went for a sandwich with a friend and two of us decided not to go back <laughs> and you know that that as far as starting university that was pretty much as much drama as I'd done I'd been to see one play so yeah. it was it was probably going to be a solicitor or something sensible okay um, by the end of the time I turned 18 but up to that point I'd kind of you know, it seemed to get more ridiculous as the older I got, and I think it probably the most ridiculous it ever got was being wanting to be an actor. But yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, definitely. I started off with a sensible designer, graphic design, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, copywriter. Yeah, man. At the age of about four. <laughs> and so then you went to university. Yeah. Uh, where in Queens and Belfast? Cool. For ten years. What do you mean? Uh, so I did a degree, and then I did a master's, and then I did a PhD. Fuck. But I didn't finish the PhD. I spent six years fucking about yeah. uh, with with funding and then left Right. six years in wow. having produced a, not even a single chapter of a PhD. <laughs> so like, I'm a professional oh, student dosser. Yeah, man. No, yeah. that's cool. I'm so sorry. My phone has just gone off. I'm extremely upset about it, to be honest with you. Rookie. I might eat one of these yeah. chocolates that are here. Yeah, just do, to... <laughs> they're, they're, they're for you. Well, they, I, they look like they might be for display purposes only. No, not at all. I just got them from Switzerland. They're lovely. Mm. Yeah, I thought Switzerland, chocolate. Nice. I'm supposed to be good at that. Yep, yeah. awesome. Thank you, man. <laughs> no worries. Flew them in especially. <laughs> um, and, and so you... What, what were you doing at university? I mean, we know what you were doing at university, but... What, well, maybe not. <laughs> so, I, I'm not one of the, like, I, I'm an actor, right, so maybe that's not clear. But, uh, maybe it is, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. You are, yeah. Um But one of the things about me being an actor is it's not been, with everybody I, I chat to for my own podcast, like, you get a, my favourite question, in spite of what the podcast is meant to be about, my favourite question has always been, how did you get into acting? Because yeah. the answers are so various. and like, Yeah. And quite often people have like an amazing teacher at the age of seven yeah, who yeah. spots something in them or somebody's going into youth theatre or they've had a parent who's been an Amdram or, you know, she did Matthew's brilliant one where she, oh, uh, you know, that, that she had a stammer and, and that she found she didn't stammer when she was doing a comedy monologue yeah. and that. So those stories are amazing. My story isn't, isn't, isn't that at all. So having not been interested enough to stay in youth theatre at 17 and having done chorus and Hello Dolly in the school play 
um, and basically because it was good crack and you got to hang around the school after hours and you know there was lots of kind of opportunities to socialise yeah. with males and females um, in very different ways um, it, it, you know that was the limit of it for me and I went to I studied English Lit at A level we studied a play called Translations by Brian Freel yeah. it was the first play I'd ever seen on stage at the Lyric in Belfast and it just fucking blew me away because I didn't realise theatre was anything other than entertainment. Yeah. Um, I think particularly being from Belfast where certainly not, not most theatre but certainly the highest profile theatre is the big London touring shows that come yeah. into the Opera House um, you know and the pantomimes. Yeah. I didn't realise that theatre could have a political function and that kind of got me interested in that and that's why I started writing those letters because I, I didn't know that these were all different things. I was so wet that I thought you know being in radio was being the same as being in theatre or TV like there was no it was just making something creative and yeah. potentially political and so I went to university to study bizarrely history and uh, French history major and within two weeks I decided history was a complete waste of time because uh, I didn't get on the course that I wanted I ended up on a course called uh, 20th Century Revolts The View From Below and we had three, three other people in my class in the first seminar I hadn't done any of the reading and I just thought, like, fuck that, I'm, I'm, I'm a charlatan. Like, I, you know, A-level history was exciting because I had an amazing teacher. Yeah. But then you find yourself in a context where the amazing teacher is gone. Yeah. And the subject, actually, you see it for what it is. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Queen's has got this brilliant thing, which I'm not sure it ha has anymore, but it had a three-subject first year. So say you went to Queen's to study straight English yeah. for first year, you had to do two other subjects. Oh, right, cool. Because their thinking was that at A-level you might not have done philosophy or sociology or social anthropology or any of the subjects they offered were at a disadvantage because of that and so I did English history and French oh, cool. dropped out of history and they just started the drama course they had literally not got a theatre they had no staff for the course um, and there were only I think about 15 other people doing it so there was literally a first year of 15 people none of whom had applied to do drama so we were a complete bunch of misfits Yeah, it, it's like the beginning of a 1980s kind of comedy film like I was just thinking that 15 or 16 kids who have not applied to do drama yeah. have found themselves flunking other subjects <laughs> and so decide to do theatre studies right? yeah. so I was one of those guys I was being taught Brecht by German studies being taught you know Aeschylus by the classicists being taught Moliere by the French scholars and stuff so there was no drama stuff Yeah, there was a playwright in residence in English who's amazing and who, who taught us like you know the occasional performance theory lecture but it was a really academic course but of course then, because you're with people who want to make theatre, we and we had no theatre, we basically found ourselves doing a part-time uh, course on the side in site-specific drama. So we produced loads of stuff in random spaces around Belfast. And then I kind of graduated from that, started a theatre company with uh, my wife, as she is now, and uh, a few friends who've all stayed in theatre and done different things. You know, a writer now a guy who's an outreach director for a theatre company in Belfast and my wife who's an actor and a writer and some other but we all stayed professionally in the industry just in different ways yeah and um so yeah so uh, to answer the question what was I doing at university um <laughs> becoming an actor <laughs> pretty much becoming somebody who made theatre yeah and it's like that thing at, at when we started the theatre company it, I was an actor primarily I'd never directed anything apart from once in third year to tiny little thing yeah um my wife had never directed anything. She was an actor. Our two writer friends had never directed anything. So it was like, who's going to direct something? And because I was less certain about what I wanted to do, yeah. I fell into the director role. So we had a new writing theatre company. We got a few funded productions up, like, you know, small funding, like five, ten grand. Yeah. yeah. And um, we, uh, off the back of that, um, kind of that gave us more opportunities to do other things. But, from the point of say I was 20 having been into acting for two years yeah. at college in third year of college kind of turned around to directing and then didn't really act again on stage until 2011 when I was 33 wow. so I yeah so there's a whole big gap when I um, did other stuff yeah. so I was kind of running this theatre company yeah I was kind of I did a master's I did a PhD then I got a job as a full time lecturer in drama on honeymoon decided said to my wife listen I don't really want to do this this is like a job for a person in their 50s no offence to anyone in their 50s yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but this is the kind of job you want to do when you feel like you've got something to tell yeah. or something to teach and I didn't have anything to teach and I still don't like I couldn't fulfill that role now like but I felt like teacher, yeah. but, but exactly I, I felt like if I paid fees to get taught by me I'd have been disappointed right I felt like if, if kids were going to kids that sounds horrible but if kids well, they are kids yeah, I, yeah, I mean yeah. people come into the 18 and all they know is it's costing money I felt like I wasn't up to scratch to be one of those people sure. and that I couldn't stand over it like I couldn't I couldn't work out the cost of my time because I used to do that occasionally and think like it costs them like you know 40 quid a lecture or something you think fuck that there's a hundred of them there's no way this lecture this lecture is worth four grand and so all that stuff used to play in my mind yeah and that and a selfish thing that I still wanted to act and and uh, if I'm totally honest I'd seen a lot of actors I worked with a lot of actors and, and, and thought I can be at least as good as these people yeah and thought, fuck it, put your money where your mouth is. Don't be that dickhead director that thinks they're an actor. Yeah. And don't be that dickhead academic that re resents their students whenever they go off and make things. Yeah. And so I left and we moved to London. And uh, that was 2009. So, wow. yeah. That's really, but that is, that is pretty exciting, I think. That's, it's bizarre, though. It's like, been, I mean, it bizarre, it's bizarre. Because, yeah. you know, to go from, like, we, were, we just got married. I had a full time job on a reasonable salary in a city where reasonable salaries go a long way. Yeah. yeah. Not, i.e., not London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, <laughs> we had bought a house. And for all intents and purposes, we were at that point in our lives where I was 29. So you go in certainly in, in Belfast terms with our family. All of our family who stayed behind have since had two or three kids. Yeah. Um, you know they've moved house subsequently to a bigger place they've, their jobs have moved on they've been promoted yeah, yeah. we've kind of become the uh, we like to think the cool aunt and uncle in London yeah. but actually we've probably become the kind of like the slight embarrassments of the family because people are like what the fuck are they doing Like, or they come and visit and they're like what's the fucking story with the size of their flat like you know um, but yes yeah, so, so so yeah we, we my wife is is the opposite. She's someone who, you know, saw a panda at two years old, pretended to be a cat for the following two weeks, got sent to speech and drama, did youth theatre, did youth musical theatre, went to do a drama degree, and has worked pretty much solidly as an actress in theatre since she left. Wow. Um, whereas I'm one of those that gets bored of stuff really quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, th you know? I think I, I'm at risk of, of being very similar to that. And, and I've gone, I've been in that period now, even with this podcast, you know, it started with such a big surge that, and then that I, I, and then I thought, fuck, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure what's going on. Oh, this is a bit more fun for now. Shit. I've got this podcast like a cu couple of weeks later. It's funny as well. Cause I think with acting, even like for me, the, uh, the absolute kind of antithesis of what I want is to be in a show for two years. Yeah. I think that's kind of possibly def is one of the things that uh, def maybe defines actors in a, in a way is that um, possibly we do all have a slight. Well, it's not fair for me. I have a I have a bad attention span. I have a short attention span. Like I don't want to be doing something for the rest of my life, which is why working in a university with my own office and sitting there all day on my own every day um, became kind of like a, it's something that was oppressive it shouldn't have been like it was a dream job there's so many people I know who did other disciplines where jobs are few and far between Yeah. like you know medieval literature or something and wow. there's like one job comes up every three years and yeah. like there's like 50 graduates PhD graduates in the same period and they're all like shitting themselves to get it and it's a dream and they probably like you know once they're there that's them for life whereas yeah. I think in theatre studies at that time there wasn't a shortage of of, of PhD uh, people uh, coming through with PhDs but certainly like I shouldn't have been at 25 I shouldn't have been getting in any other discipline uh, like say it was English lit I wouldn't have been getting a full time job at 25 yeah. and so I find myself kind of um, sitting in an office going oh fuck I've got a salary and and it was great because I actually ran a production office out of my academic office but at one point we were producing the 24 hour plays for the Lyric Theatre out of my office I'd set up a second my office was so big I'd set up a second desk I'd got uh, the staff to install a second phone line. They never questioned why. I'd found a computer in Queens that didn't, you know, no one was using. Yeah, brought yeah. it in. So basically, in my office, there was a independent theatre production company running. Like at one point for like several months, and you know we were we were photocopying plays left, right, and centre, and we were just, like because the thing about resources, uh, universities is they're resource heavy. Like they've got everything you need. Yeah. 
and it kind of felt criminal to have all that and not make something yeah absolutely um so yeah like so i suppose it was really useful and, and i was producing shows as well um in the festival and stuff uh so it meant that because you're getting that's a lovely thing about it as well when you get a salary you can kind of you can have a creative project on the side it doesn't have to pay big bucks yeah and particularly when like our mortgage in belfast was 400 quid a month you know it's like yeah you don't when you don't need huge amounts of money it's fucking great what you can do yeah um and i always used to say that to the students like you know whenever you don't whenever your overheads are small just fucking make stuff yeah just get go and make make theater make mistakes That's more it. than anything because yeah. whenever you get to that point where you don't want to live with other people and you can't live in a shared house and you ha and your rent therefore goes through the roof yeah and you know you're you move to london and you're working 50 hours a week to try and pay all that there's you, no chance you can't it? make stuff yeah. you just can't and yeah. so that's one of the huge advantages of, of I think not being in London is that you can it's easier to make stuff happen outside yeah. of London bizarrely at that level no, I think it's very hard to make stuff happen at a at a really kind of uh, funda- like a basic kind of grassroots level yeah. in London because there's so many people fighting for so little uh, like you know theatre time and space yeah. um, whereas in Belfast you know there's kind of like a I think not that there's less people doing it but there's I think there's a greater sense of community yeah like I'm certainly not part of a community in London because I didn't train here and because we don't have neither of us did like I don't feel part of a community whereas at home I think even if I was to go back after six or seven years I still feel it would be easier to put on a play or make a short film or you know yeah all those things yeah no I mean it's it's a really interesting path that you've you've had to to becoming an actor or uh, maybe Maybe actor isn't the right word. It was like well, no, because this is the weird thing. Because I used to have a chip on my shoulder about it as well. Because I didn't train, and the brilliant thing about Belfast is, you know, uh, you can say I'm an actor on a Monday, yeah, and by Tuesday everybody's got their heads around it, and they're kind of fine with it. Now that is a bad thing because you get a lot of I do a bit of acting people. So you'll meet someone you know out for the night, and they go, "What do you do?" And you go, "I'm an actor," and they go, "I do a bit of acting." (laughs) By which they mean they've been in an ad because you know people just. You know, who work in the civil service occasionally take a day off to be in an ad like yeah, that's yeah. the kind of culture um, and of course there are amazing professional actors who have chosen to their fucking merit to stay in Belfast and slug it out and to do great work and whether they've trained or they haven't but you arrive in London and and, and you realise that you know fuck if you want to get seen for theatre and you have and you're in your 30 like you're knocking on 30 when I arrived it was two months before my 30th birthday and you haven't trained you better fucking get your shit together because no one's going to be they're not going to be lining up to see you like yeah, no. what's his name he's from Belfast right and he hasn't trained hmm. right okay he doesn't sound very intelligent which is the <laughs> other thing you know cause you don't sound like an actor Fuck. I think um, so yeah so the, uh, interesting path may, maybe but for a long time I think I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder because I felt like I didn't deserve to call myself an actor in a weird kind of way so I hadn't trained I hadn't really got a CV I just decided that I was gonna have a fucking serious go at it. Yeah, and that's all anybody can can really do. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, and and uh, but you seem to have done so much with you know. Thanks, man. <laughs> in, you know, just, just even a load of stuff that I didn't even know about. You know, little bits that I have seen that you've done, and and you know. Yeah. read about and whatever I'm, I'm not talking about that I mean all, all of the creating theatre and which is through me doing this podcast is what I've sort of tr- thought feel like I've discovered is that an actor really isn't just an actor um, or in, in you know for me you're very lucky if you are yeah in a way or maybe you're not yeah well, well no not at all but I mean you know even even if you are going from job to job I think there's still something in you that wants to Maybe I can't speak for everyone, but there's still something in you that, you know, I think everyone who is an actor or want, you know, has this thing in them, this need to create something, this need to tell a story, this need to, this even need to entertain or you know yeah. whatever. That, I think that's the thing with me is make. Yeah, yeah. And I um and I don't think it's made it into any the edits of the episode so far and <laughs> on my own, but in the interviews that I do, one of the the questions that I've asked occasionally is, um, like, you know, what do you think it is that makes you want to be an actor? Is it a, is it it's the need to perform or, you know, something else? Yeah. And with me, I think it's the need to make something. So yeah. if I'm not acting, like, I'll be making 
something in the flat. Yeah. Whether it be you know trying to fit shelves and yeah. you know into an alcove, or whether it be like making a device that I can put over the, my laptop when I'm sitting outside in the sun so that I don't get glare on the screen, <laughs> using cardboard, tin foil black plastic bags spray glue and gaffer tape which has actually happened like yeah, that you know I'm going to do a how to like video for that but that's the kind of shit that I've always done as a, ki- as a kid that was the thing it wasn't it was make yeah you know it was like what can I it was solving problems or so it was that kind of mind I think as a kid it was more my thing rather than there was an element to perform like I remember telling a joke in P1 on stage at the Christmas kind of the concert or whatever the fuck it was <laughs> And but but I told a Ronnie Corbett joke that I'd heard on like the Sunday night. I think it was a Sunday night. It used to be on the, the two Ronnies, and uh, it was a Ronnie Corbett gag that he told in that section where he sits in an armchair. And at five, I thought that was it was fucking hilarious. So <laughs> I'm sure it didn't work on stage. The five year old telling this kind of like you know story, but but I remember. So there must have been a bit of that. But like I do think there's a there's something to be said for making something yeah. that you don't have to rely on other people for because I think I've already said my, my dad's a musician my two brothers are musicians as well Yeah, and um, the brilliant thing about music is you can practice it on your own Yeah, and yeah. you can practice acting on your own of course I don't Yeah, like no. I mean I'm not going to st- maybe some people do I'm not going to stand in my bedroom and recite stuff from Shakespeare or, or even or even try to like you know work on my voice every day like that's not who I am and it never will be but what I will do is, you know, try and keep saying by making stuff. Yeah. And that can be, like I say, you know, a barbecue or a podcast. It doesn't yeah. really, I don't think I create any distinction. As long as I'm not sitting on my hands. Yeah. Watching the clock to, till one o'clock rolls around so I know my agent's on lunch. Till two o'clock rolls around till I know he's off lunch. Yeah, yeah. Till six o'clock rolls around till I know they're probably all home for the day. And I can relax until 10 a.m. the following <laughs> morning. Like that is fine for a while and everybody does it yeah. every once in a while but you have to kind of give yourself a shaking like go for a run or yeah do something know, make a cake yeah, yeah you know yeah. what I mean and, yeah. and the podcast was just an extension of that really oh shit that's like the simplest answer to my biggest question so yeah I mean so what what um, chuck in the, the my my uh, Keyword. What inspired you to, ah. uh, uh, to start the podcast? What What was the so? When did the thought first come to you? So, um, what happened was I had, and this is I'm telling this by way of uh, kind of illuminating the darkness that came after. Mm-hmm. I had um, a very lucky first few years in London. Right. So I'm here now six and a half years. <clears throat> so. If we cut back to this time last year, I was here five and a half years, mm-hmm. and I just had the worst year of my career. Yeah. So up to that point, I've been fairly lucky. I did a fringe play at the Fembra two nights a week, which did pretty well critically. I got a really good agent out of it. That really good agent got me some really good TV work. And like I say, as an untrained actor, two years later, I found myself working at the National in a cast of 20 on a Russian play, thinking, I'm the only untrained fucker in here. Isn't it class? And I can get rid of that chip I have on my shoulder because yeah. I feel like, I can call myself an actor in any company and it's fine. So I spent five months at the National and it's amazing and it's what everybody thinks it's going to be and, you know, it's just, it's a dream from start to finish. A dream. The day after I left the National, I had never felt more unemployed in my life. So you go from as close as you'll get ever in your life to a regular job. Um, Maybe West End or something is probably slightly more so but five months in a supportive environment working with people who you really respect and who think are genuinely good and much better than you are and so you feel privileged to be there mm-hmm. you get subsidised meals you get cheap booze in the green, bar, green room bar afterwards if you pop something you know in your back there's someone there to look after it there's a nurse there's voice a voice coach which I loved because I needed it um, even though at times I find it quite difficult to hear the notes um, <laughs> so I went from that to being unemployed and uh, I, I, I played it being Johnny Big Bananas. So I decided after I left the National because I thought, like I say, I'm an actor now. I'm not going to do anything I don't think is amazing. And so I promised, it was the 14th of July when I left the National. I promised that until the following 14th of July, I would do nothing unless I thought it was fucking first class. Stand, stand up, hands down, amazing. right? So I got offered a job about a week out of the National. Um, which was in a regional theatre 
and which they said might transfer to London and I didn't like the part and didn't like the script and uh, I turned it down and the thing did transfer and then it transferred to the West End and it was running until very recently and that's on a worldwide tour but that's <clears throat> that's my problem right so I turned that down and then I, I turned down another tiny part I auditioned for a bigger part in a smaller theatre and they offered me a tiny part and I said no I'm not doing it because it was playing Johnny Big with us. I thought I'm going to fuck, fuck them. I'm just been at the National. I'm not walking into a job. I think, shit, I'm got, I want to walk into another good job. Yeah. Fooling myself into thinking that I had some kind of creative control over my career, which I think is a hangover from being a director and a producer. And it's not the case, obviously, with actors. So it got to the following... Uh, so the National was July 2013 when I left. It gets to the following, say, July 13th. Uh, 14th and I haven't worked on stage for a year after the National I've maybe done f five days filming on a student film for the NFTS and I've been working in a restaurant pretty much solidly in a way that I when I left to go to the National I thought I'd never be back I said my farewells I more or less uh, did a dump in the corner uh, and then went back um, so, so, so things have been fairly grim so I decided I'll do anything after deciding I was going to do anything nothing nobody wanted to work like it seemed nobody wanted to work with me so it got to September that year I went on a holiday we booked um, to the States for like three weeks came back totally skint and uh, started uh, working as a labourer a carpenter's labourer which I actually loved because yeah. at the end of the day you'd made something and or you'd knock something down but you could see what you'd done you'd achieve something yeah, yeah. but obviously it was 80 quid a day and I was 34, 35, someone who'd worked as a lecturer in a university and, and like when in the, in the, in the restaurant I'd, I'd worked with two of my students, I'd served one of my students. It was, it was a, t I'm not saying, like, the ego is not strong in, in, with this one in that kind of way, but yeah. like, but it, there's something in you that goes, I was going from labouring, driving home in the dark, it was winter, going to a pub around the corner to work for 6.50 an hour um, which everybody does and that's fine minimum, I don't mind minimum wage jobs so I told them that uh, what I do mind is mind numbing so it was a dead pub so you're getting home getting the bath get all the shit off that you've got accumulated during the day labouring sitting in the bath then I think I've got to go to the fucking pub till one in the morning and then I was hosting the pub quiz two nights a week so by Christmas I was fucking knackered yeah like 70 hours a week knackered and I thought, what the fuck am I? I didn't, I'm the second, what the fuck am I doing with my life moment that I've had since I moved to London. The first was about three months in when I thought, like, I have no agent. I'm in London. I haven't trained. What the fuck am I doing with my life? Mm -hmm. And this one was last Christmas. And I thought, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And I was sitting uh, sometime around Christmas. Mum was over for four days. And I was sitting thinking, why is every other fucker just on Facebook? on Twitter telling me how amazing their lives are yeah. and I am like I, I couldn't be more miserable and it's all my actor friends who I know have been miserable in the past and as much as I love them I find it at this moment in my life very difficult to truly be happy for them if I'm totally honest yeah, yeah. and also as much as I in the past have assumed that they're playing the lead in this film that they're posting pictures you know hashtag winning hashtag blessed <laughs> Um, it's it's highly likely that they've got one day yeah. but they're just not posting the rest of the days when they're feeling like me nobody's yeah. posting fuck a shitty day mm -hmm. and I started thinking what what is that about and how does that kind of happen so interestingly because I've listened to a few of yours as well at that time I discovered Serial yeah. and so the world of the podcast had been open to me and I thought yeah. fuck these are amazing and Serial finished and I didn't quite know what to do and it was struggling to find something and so I, I searched in the podcast app you know, actors' podcasts, mm -hmm. and they were all, if I'm truly honest, not my cup of tea. I'm sure, some people love the business of acting and want to know, you know, what how best to meet more casting directors, and they want to listen to somebody tell them that. I'm sure some people love to kind of listen to, you know, the kind of the National Theatre style interview with an actor, which is about, you know, process and all that stuff. And it just it wasn't my bag. I didn't, particularly when I wasn't working, I didn't want to listen. Um, probably it's a, probably a bad 
thing in my part that I wasn't open to learning but like I just it felt hard to listen to that stuff I would much rather listen to a podcast like American Life This American Life yeah. which is just you know people talking telling stories brilliant love yeah, yeah, all that yeah. stuff so that kind of was that, that was two threads one was terrible year why is everybody so happy and I'm miserable second was um, po- aren't podcasts awesome why is there not a good podcast for actors and the third thing was that I just applied to the BBC production training scheme. So every year in December, the BBC have a scheme where you can apply to be a producer and they get thousands of applications. So I I produced what I thought was a pretty good application, uh, including an idea for a radio documentary, which I got through like the first two rounds of like a several round process. And by February, they'd said, I think Valentine's, around then Valentine's, they went, happy Valentine's, uh, we don't love you. So, (laughs) So I thought, fuck this, I need to make myself look better as a producer like more I need to produce something that says I can make something from scratch I need to start feeling more positive about being an actor otherwise I am going to give up because at that point I was looking into training this as a carpenter and right. just abandoning it and I have to say the podcast has kind of rescued me from that Yeah. not that it would have been a bad thing but <laughs> rescued me is for me anyway it would have been a bad thing Yeah. and like I say that I'd had a really tough year and I wanted to do something about it so uh, 20th of February I'd had this idea for a podcast that was about what you do when you're not acting so it was the, the idea was first of all about because we knew loads of actors had been things like grave diggers yeah. and I've had about 50 jobs other than acting and aside from the, the one I've talked about with a salary like I've had ones that are like snooker table maintenance yeah I was going to say I've got a list of all yeah. sorts yeah so <laughs> so I've had loads of jobs and I thought it would be really interesting to find out what you know the classic say Dame Judy Dench what jobs has she ever done has she ever done jobs and what if, and would it make me feel better if I knew that Judy Dench had been a secret table maintenance yeah. guy or girl would not be awesome yeah. so that was the idea and it's kind of morphed from there but 28th of February I got a check for about a grand for a voiceover I did like two years ago oh. and instead of paying the bills that I had I thought I'm going to buy the equipment to make a fucking podcast and so that day my Amazon account went mental <laughs> and I was you know buying fucking microphones I didn't know how to use yeah. and going on trying to get the cheapest you know Google shop result for this or that and the other and spent about 700 quid on equipment and then thought right I'm going to have to do this now because yeah. I owe it to my wife because we have a joint bank account I've spent 700 quid of our money on equipment for a podcast that doesn't exist <laughs> um, and so that day I kind of put a website online with a bit kind of a bit of a mission statement yeah and uh, and recorded uh, a, like a five minute what is this podcast explaining what it was which has since been deleted obviously because it's per- it doesn't serve no purpose now yeah but that was kind of why I did it and how it, how it kind of started but it was you know it, was, it could have been any number of things if it hadn't been for serial it might have been actually I don't know I, I, honestly it's just, it sounds like I'm thanking Serial for not giving up acting but if I hadn't discovered podcasts I think I would have it's highly likely you'd be a chippy that I yeah that I'd be doing that yeah I mean yeah it is highly likely so, and that so that's kind of like I, I kind of needed to do something to make myself feel better and to to, con- to convince myself why it was okay to feel like a failure yeah or or, or to find out if I was the only person that was this much of a fucking loser and I was convinced I wasn't and that's why I kind of wanted to, to pursue it yeah and you're not and thanks man <laughs> and you but know. you know what I mean like I think the world the, the world that we inhabit yeah is set up that you only talk about success yeah so you kind of you spin this kind of web of deceit yeah uh, it starts with your CV, you know, like you, you, what you leave off and and who you, you know what what else, what you know what special skills you have, but it but it goes as far as you know that kind of um, the people who, you know the kind of the, the people who and I do this still occasionally and I'm, as I'm typing the tweet I'm like you're a dickhead, <laughs> but I try not to. A friend of mine who's an actor uh, and he's totally different to me in that um, he's just much more true to that. I'm not gonna engage with that bullshit yeah um, like his Twitter doesn't even reference that he's an actor the other end of the scale is you know headshot as your profile picture and you know a spotlight link and blah blah, blah. and I kind of sit somewhere between the two but I, I don't do the whole look at me I'm just loving my, this day on set because uh, I always think about before I post stuff I think about my friends who aren't working and I think is 
is this the kind of photograph that's going to make them feel shit about themselves? Yeah. And also, is it Adam Best, the way I mentioned him, says uh, he comes down to this idea of whether it's edifying. Like, is it is it useful for other people in the world to know this? Yeah. And if it's not, why the fuck are you doing it? And if if you can't answer that question, it's probably because you want to make yourself feel better. Yeah. And that will make other people feel bad. And so you have to. Everybody has to do it for themselves. Yeah. But so that's kind of. So now I would posting stuff it tends to be like um, if I think it's something that's genuinely entertaining or interesting and it just happens to also show a photograph of me being working that's yeah. fine yeah. but if it's just about hey everybody I'm, I'm working, working yeah, then yeah. it's not okay yeah. and so you know so that's kind of that that was the 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 uh, enter French phrase raison d'etre um, but yeah so that, that was kind of it and I've stuck with that and part of the whole thing now is that the I'm calling it the Honest Actors Project yeah. because the blogs kind of started hopefully to kind of take on a bit of a life of its own but that the idea is that I mean it's really interesting because when I started the blog one of the guys who was advising me said don't let anybody write for the blog unless they've got 2,000 Twitter followers and I was like what? because it let some people write it had like 200 followers and he went yeah but they're not going to be able to promote it's about promoting and I'm like no it's not it's about letting people speak that never get a chance to speak and yeah. letting people you know get those things out because the people who have fucking no Twitter followers are probably more interesting than the ones that have 50,000 like, yeah. so that was the whole and that's kind of where it's going is that this kind of sense of of Denise Goff who is episode number one and who's yeah. Brilliant just a, a, just a brilliant person she's you know yeah. she her episode's so honest and it's painful but she um she rather brilliantly said to me sent me a message um saying uh one of the things that's because she's doing people places and things this play yeah. it's about rehab and she's been through all that and this isn't me outing her because she's talked pretty openly in the podcast about it and she's very open about it anyway yeah is that one of the things about rehab and the podcast was always one of the things I always said was this is not rehab because I'm not qualified and nobody's interested it's not therapy but there is a kind of element of it's therapeutic it's been therapeutic for me and it's been therapeutic for a lot of people that have listened mm -hmm. is that with uh, say the likes of AA one of the big things is about identification it's about you seeing other people in a room and realising I'm not the only dickhead and at its kind of centre the whole project is about you're not the only dickhead yeah and so if we can get everybody to admit that sometimes they feel like a dickhead and that sometimes they've, you know, as Tom Gubenhill says, they've stared at the wall or watched back-to-back -back episodes of, you know, uh, The Waking Dead or, you know, as Siobhan Harrison says, they've just climbed into bed with a few drinks and cried all day like a teenager. Or, you know, so so that, like, those moments are the ones that make me laugh. And it's not, a, as another friend of mine said, it's not a particularly attractive quality to admit to like effectively what everybody who enjoys my podcast is admitting is that other people having a hard time makes them feel better about themselves yeah, I guess. but that's human nature yeah. and one of the things that's been brilliant that people admit is stuff like jealousy because nobody wants to admit that and nobody wants to recognise that in themselves but everybody we do get jealous mm -hmm. because we want to do well and we want what other people have and you know as much as it's a really negative quality I think it's a natural thing and it's also probably better to just admit that yeah. and you know and also it's better to be a bit more self-aware because I think uh, the ultimate aim, and this is kind of where it gets very serious, so I'll adopt a slightly deeper tone in my voice, yeah, is uh, that the, the thing is about improving mental health amongst actors. <laughs> and, um, but the, and, and that, so for me it was about, and that's not someone who's never been diagnosed as having a mental illness. I still feel like I probably could have had moments where I should have been yeah. or I may have moments down the line when I definitely will be but that at least if you know there's an admission that everybody f does have those days then perhaps that will make people f feel better and, and kind of steer them away from the edge a few times it might not get them through the rest of their careers but it might make them think a little bit differently about their own successes Just and failures a little spark. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah so that's kind of um that's that's the why yeah. it, it began, um, which is good to remind me of this week, because I did ask myself <laughs> the same question at the start of the week, but with a slightly different kind of tone, like, why the fuck did I start this? 
so much more. <laughs> like, oh, I want to make a barbecue. <laughs> it's the wrong, it's the wrong season, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so. you got to get it prepared. Um, but th- that's amazing, and and uh, and it's great that you you have done that for for me especially as well because I I was going. I, d- I did it for. I mean, I did, did it, it for you. For <laughs> Someone I emailed me and said, "We've got this guy, a friend, uh, Lewis. He's living on a boat." <laughs> Uh, like it's, it's pretty we're worried about him yeah. <laughs> we're worried about him it's just him in the docks he's gone mental and I thought this guy needs a podcast Does he, has he has he listened to Serial and they were like yep he's done it yeah so um, so it was yeah but yeah it's hard it, it's really hard because it feels like self-congratulations every time I talk about it because no. you end up using phrases which make you sound like a knob because you're saying stuff like you know making people feel better about what they're doing or improving mental health or and and that kind of stuff has it oh you know because i said to you before we started recording you don't want to be the podcast actor yeah so i was painfully aware beforehand because i know lots of people i know i'm a judgmental fucker so i see somebody doing a podcast and i think (laughs) podcast actor or i see somebody doing you know uh, somebody who says it's a very british irish of me like i'm an actor director producer you think "Mm, shit at all three or someone who says, you know, uh, I'm I'm an actor, but I also have a, you know, like your friend who started a, a company, like a t-shirt company. Yeah, and you yeah, go, yeah. That's because you were shit, isn't it? Like, but but that's the little voice in your head that does that. And like, yeah. it's not the, but that's what everybody thinks, and that's what stops people. You know, I think Americans are much more uh, accepting of you go, I'm an actor, a podcast, and they're like awesome, right? You know, or at least that's what they say publicly. But I think we're very dip- dismissive of actors who do other things, almost as as we then use that as a way of saying well they can't be that good at acting if they need to do this mm. so I was painfully aware of of risking because I hadn't been working very much and thankfully I don't know whether the podcast related or not I've had a better year this year I think I've been in a better place mentally um, and I've had a much better year as a consequence I bet it, is. Um, it, it could well be you know you just look at things differently you just, I stopped caring as much yeah. like I really have just stop caring as much and that sounds totally antithetical to most of the advice that's given in the podcast by other actors but I've just distanced myself from it like it's not my I think the thing is not that I care less the Denise Goff thing is you've got to have a life mm-hmm. like I think I, I, I despair when I see now people who have their Twitter handle or their email address as like say Mike is Jonathan Harden actor yeah. at you think no you're not an actor you're a human being yeah. acting is just something you do if you start to define yourself by your acting alone, yeah. you're fucked. Because once you're not getting acting work, then you cease to you cease to exist. Is that what you're saying? Or yeah. you, you're of no value, or you're not contributing, or you you yourself think that you're of no value. Like so, if you just you know, like Denise says, you know, invest in the other parts of your life or have some other other shit going on, yeah. then not working is not such a big deal. Absolutely. Like yeah. how, as long as I get up in the morning and walk the dog, do a bit of exercise occasionally when I'm not feeling like a lazy bastard, and then you know feel like I'm doing something yeah then if I don't get a call that day it's not so bad it was the days whenever I was just waiting just waiting because I'm an actor I'm a, and acting's a verb so if you're not doing you're not it yeah and that's tough like that's tough and I think um, anyway this year this bring it back like I've, I've had a, a, a better year and and um I'm not sure whether that's related or not, but yeah. Yeah, so I'm saying that's what I'm saying. So you get into this kind of like, you don't want to be the actor who does podcasts, yeah. right? Um, and I think with yours as well, I think there's a, we've both hopefully managed to avoid that. Yeah. And I think it's because it's not a salesy thing. Yeah. I think uh, if, if we were both to kind of be the kind of people who were saying, you need to do A, B and C and this is how you do it and you need to meet more casting directors and we've got the top five tips we're interviewing. Today, we're, me and Lewis are going to talk about, <laughs> you know, this is a different podcast. If yeah. we, you know, and sign and, up to hear this. And then people go, because I, uh, we just, my wife and I just saw something on online the other day. It was an actor who we know who's running a, a masterclass for six weeks and you think, fucking hell. And that's where it becomes dangerous whenever I think you start to identify yourself as an authority yeah and one of my friends said to me today I was walking the dog and we've got these two elderly friends that walk their dog with us and he said what are you doing today and I said I'm going to do an interview for a podcast and he went what are you an authority on and I was like fuck all mate but that's that's kind of it's just you know it's an authority on the shit that I've done and nothing else yeah yeah and I think as long as you acknowledge that and this is what I think both of ours do is is 
is that we're not the authority. Neither are our guests, apart from the fact that they're on what they're being asked. You know. Yeah, they're, they're an authority on you. you yeah. Know. So, so I think that's the danger. Is a, a lot of the podcasts that I didn't like, and one of the reasons that spurred me on was it's set up as a kind of um, a cult around yeah. the either the podcaster or they're setting a cult up around the people they interview. Like, here is such and such casting directors top 10 answers yeah. to make your your life happier basically yeah, yeah. and I think all that stuff is just for me anyway is is, is just fucking hateful yeah it's not my bag and like I say it's sure some people love it but it's not and I think people just that's whenever you're in that ballpark and people go oh he's one of those yeah 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 so yeah so thankfully I think so far we've managed to stay, stay away from that but you know Stays the day the, the you know the podcast is still young. <laughs> no, cut, cut to episode fifty, and it's like I've got an American accent. <laughs> Welcome to the Honest Actors Podcast. I'm Jonathan Harden. Today I'll be talking about. Dude, that's pretty fucking good. You should. Uh, I should do that podcast. You should do a, a mock one. That'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside. Um, yeah. That's, I don't really know what else to say because you've you've uh, you've just because I talk shit. No, not yeah. at all. No, you have. You've, um, you've talked a lot and you've pretty pretty much answered everything that that I was saying. It's interesting to hear the the development of the blog and everything as well, which is which is something that you know you started with the podcast and then this other little thing has come off and that's something you're looking into. It's it's so it really is just about you know. You, you found something else to can I ask create? you a question of course you can yeah so whenever you started Jesus. your podcast I know it's fucking it's just shit the bricks time yeah. whenever you started the podcast what did you want to achieve with it like truthfully what did you want to achieve um, when I very first had the idea it it was I feel completely ashamed to admit was I, I thought maybe I could make some money doing this yeah because uh, you read John Lee Dumas, didn't you? Exactly. And he's making, so he's at like, you know, a million dollars a month. Oh That's yeah. how I made. It's like, fuck off. Yeah. And and honestly, that was it. I was like, what? But it did come out of a place of, um, I need, like, I hate, I hate doing jobs like that I don't enjoy. So let's talk about, this is interesting to me, right? So, yeah. Um, so, I got contacted by a company. This is, I think, still interesting because it's interesting for people who listen to podcasts to know, I think, what money is involved in podcasts. Yeah. So this company's, uh, they're trying to set up like a Spotify type thing where they're, you listen to podcasts through them more than iTunes. Right. And they you tell them at what point in your podcast to insert ads right. and they insert ads and the ads are dynamic so they change. So if you listen to my podcast in a year, the ads will be different from what they are. Right? Right. They pay, if you've got two ads, 30 seconds in your podcast. Yeah. They pay eight pounds per thousand listeners. So to make eighty pounds per episode, yeah. you need ten thousand listeners guaranteed. Yeah. Now there are sixty thousand actors on Spotlight, so you would need one in six actors in Spotlight to listen to every episode for you to get eighty quid an episode. So, I, I mean, I didn't start it for money, but I actually got to the point where after about four teasers, I thought, fuck, I could actually make money from this. Yeah. So it actually came later for me. Right. And I started to go, fuck. And I met a guy at the time who was very much like, oh, yeah, man, you can make a fortune from this shit. Yeah. And I was like, ka-ching! Because yeah. I'm skin, a skint actor most of the time, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, uh, I, I did the sums, and it just doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, if you were doing a podcast about running yeah. or something that was not so niche, then maybe... But for us, I think you just have to go. You very quickly go. It's for different reasons. For me, when I started it, um, that's some background noise, by yeah, the way. That is intense as well. Is it really intense in your? Um, uh, it is a bit, yeah. yeah. It's it, it's probably less on my mic as well, is it? No. Yeah, they're uh, turning around. I think. Um, so I was gonna say is yes. Yeah, so one of the things that I I started to realize is that other things will come of it. Now I've never been interested in presenting, per se. Yeah. Hate per se, I can't believe I said that. It's on the record now, Jonathan. Just fucking live with it. You have to make it your thing. Uh, one of the things per se, uh, if I may call you per se, is uh, is um, is that now that I do the podcast, I spent a lot. I now spend a lot of my time presenting, either the podcast or I do pub pub quizzes two nights a week, yeah. Sunday Monday. So I'm like, oh, this is kind of weird um, that I've kind of found myself doing this, and I'm not interested in like 
in it in a, in a way but it's kind of become this thing where you go somebody approached me to ask me to do something you're like oh this is kind of totally weird and by chance and so I developed this kind of weird thing where I would I, I go oh imagine if somebody wanted you to wanted to interview an actor about something but they didn't have anybody to do it wouldn't it be class if like you know say some lo- some regional radio station went can you interview such and such you'd be like oh totally awesome <laughs> yeah, of course yeah. um, and like you know because then because the, uh, when I was trying to launch it and get press coverage I did a blog for the stage and then I did a blog for Spotlight you know and you're going oh actually writing blogs is fun and then I read the blogs people submit to me and actually their blogs are so much funnier and better than mine I'm like why am I the one writing you know the blogs outside of mine because I don't know if the Kitty Ellen Salt blog that went out a couple of weeks ago is fucking brilliant and like 10 like 10,000 people read it it's like yeah so I don't know the whole thing uh, the whole world is weird because of podcasts and all that because it opens up opportunities in a weird kind of way yeah but not opportunities for things you want yeah because like you like me I imagine um, you want acting opportunities but no one's going to listen to the podcast and go that guy Lewis or that guy Jonathan that he'd be great for yeah he would he would be a fuck wouldn't he be a great Brutus <laughs> he yeah, just sounds like a Brutus on that podcast when yeah, he's yeah. talking about you know not working yeah like, it just I mean it's just not going to happen so it's a weird word we've invested time and energy into something that isn't going to get us acting work but you might end up finding that people people go excuse me go uh, well that guy Lewis might actually be good to you know go and interview another actor somewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's kind of the weird the weird spin off is that, that you know it's not going to take over your life but it might end up pre- preventing other interesting opportunities that uh, might, absolutely. Not, might not pay money but might actually make you feel you know good about it and uh, yeah I mean after every interview I always think oh, that's cool I just chatted to someone who I didn't really know that well and then and now I've had a you know good conversation with them and and I've, I also feel, like you said, a bit better about my own situation because I know that other people have been through the same stuff and yeah, yeah. and uh, you know are creating things as well. And uh, um, but just to like not make myself sound like a complete dick, like that that it might no, it's too late. The, the <laughs> it quickly turned into uh, this this opportunity to to sort of it's too late, Liz. <laughs> fuck it. I'll put that in later. <laughs> um, well, most actors do try to do something no, with varying levels of of success. Yeah. Because, truth be told, I I've done my first year of restaurant jobs, and when I left the last restaurant job in January, um, I was the oldest waiter by like ten years. Like I'm thirty six now. Yeah. I was the oldest waiter by ten years. I was thinking, right, I can maybe do this till I'm forty, but I can't. My Kelly's was starting to go from up and down stairs with heavy yeah. plates. I was fucked, and you go. I'm older than the manager. I'm on six fifty an hour still. What the fuck am I doing with my life? And so you start going, and every actor does this. And if there was an answer, everybody would do it. You know, if I, if podcasts paid money, every actor would have a fucking podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the same thing, you know, like the headshots thing is so over fucking subscribed because every, you know, every dickhead with fingers can point a camera and press a <laughs> button. Um. So so that whole thing is like you know every actor tries so so then it's personal trainers like you know everybody I yeah. spent a time last year with a friend going to a personal trainer but the big problem with it is I don't know if this has been covered in the other ones because I haven't listened to them all but the big problem is you know with me anyway with the headshots say I have a really good three months yeah I haven't had a good three months for with it for a long time good three months acting job comes up yeah you don't do it for three months yeah you come back you just start from scratch because yeah. every other non-actor who does personal trainer hedgehog photographer whatever it is yeah. do it 12 months of the year yeah. so they've got a constant kind of you know it's 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 generates its own momentum yeah. whereas I think with acting you go you'll drop anything for an acting job you will drop everything else in your life for an acting job with a consequence that whenever the, the acting job drops you you've got to go back and pick all that shit up again and that's what I think is really difficult so I had this brilliant idea that actors should pair up so that rather than me train as a personal trainer I should find a mate who wants to be a personal trainer we should train together we should start a business together we should work half the week each so that if one of us is working the other one can just work twice as hard get twice as much money uh, until you know the other the person who's working comes back it all falls apart whenever there's both of you working yeah. but that rarely happens and if you that case maybe you think three or four but that there's something about we all spend this time individually trying to set up businesses to keep us going and acting yeah. but they're inevitably very difficult to keep uh, keep running whenever yeah. you're if you, you even know, in the least demanding of roles the yeah. fact is it's hard to keep those things moving forward absolutely yeah 
Um, how, how long have we been talking for? Uh, I don't actually know. That's it, really. Um, thank you so much for coming. We're not going to gimmicky like word association game or something, or like no. you know. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, if you don't mind, in anything at the minute. <laughs> <laughs> Am I in anything at the minute? Uh, to my embarrassment, yes. But the problem with that is that I set all this up, and then once I started having less of a shit time. It kind of became slightly embarrassing because I was on doing the whole not in anything hashtag and like all this, and I was kind of like trying to like not stay a wee bit of a distance from it because it's still one of those things where I'm in anything at the minute, yes, but filming, yeah, which invariably means that most of the days you're not, yeah. So we all do this thing where I, for example, started a filming job last week for one day. I have two days on it. The second day is not until December, so effectively I'm in it absolutely until December. But I'm getting paid for two days and I'm spending a month and a half sitting on my hands, right? I'm also doing another thing which overlaps, which makes me look extremely busy with that one day in December, right? So, so like, yeah, I'm in something, but I'm not in something. Yeah. There you go. No, great. Thank How do you, you like that? Much. But it was beautiful. And, uh, and thank you for, for being so honest with me on this podcast. Um, Honestly, anyway, thank you, man. It's thank been an absolute pleasure. Right. Talk about myself for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> There you go, ladies and gents. That was Jonathan Harden, who is the host of In Anything at the Minute podcast, the Honest Actors podcast. Um, go and check out his website, inanything.com. Follow him on Twitter. Have a read of the blog, which is really, really interesting. Some great articles from, from not just from him, but different people. And just to, to big up his podcast one more time, because it is, uh, it's really, really cool and uh, really nice to... To hear the, the the people that he's talking to talk honestly, it's nice to hear actors talking honestly about what we're doing and why the hell we're doing it. Thank you so much again for listening. I'll see you again soon with another episode of Acting Inspired. Cheers, guys. Bye bye. Twas a light, gay and easy. Whatever may come, take a trip on the canal if you want to have fun. Mm-hmm.